Welcome to the First NAS Podcast. We continue the God's Kingdom Is series this week with Pastor Paul as he talks about yeast in the bread dough from Matthew chapter 13. Let's listen in as he preaches. So seven years ago, listen, I moved to Ecuador to be missionaries. And one of the really exciting things to us was that we would get to sit in classes when we got there. And for four months, we were scheduled to sit in Spanish class. And that was, that was to us like a dream come true. We, had, we both spoke a little bit of Spanish. We both had dreams of speaking Spanish better, but didn't have really any, any way of, of improving our Spanish. I mean, we were surrounded. We lived in central Washington where there were opportunities to speak Spanish, but really perfecting our Spanish and, and understanding it and, and communicating at a deep level, we really, we didn't know how that would ever happen in our lives until the opportunity to move to Ecuador came about. And so we sat for the first four months we were there, uh, like three hours a day in Spanish classes, and it was wonderful. We, we were immersed in, in Spanish. And I noticed a trend in learning to speak Spanish with a group of non-native speakers I noticed that those who could already speak a little and those who already had some skill had more opportunities to continue perfecting their Spanish. And then in a group of people where there were like higher level students and lower level students, the lower level students had fewer and fewer opportunities. And to me, it always felt like the rich were getting richer uh, when it came to learning how to speak Spanish. Uh, I, I noticed that those who, who spoke best were the ones who would interact with the taxi drivers when we would travel around the city, or those who spoke best would be asked to translate for those of us who didn't speak as well. And uh, the, those who, who had, had better skill were, were also pressing into relationship with, with Ecuadorians and, and growing in their skill in, in Spanish all the time. Whereas those who, who didn't, have as high a level, uh, had more difficulty getting into the places and, and experiences where their Spanish would, would grow and develop. And we noticed this trend it, even like uh, those who, who tended to understand and speak better would put themselves in relationship with other Spanish speakers and, and really press into the opportunities to perfect their Spanish. And some people would get frustrated with the language and, and not feel like they're developing in their skill quick enough. And so they would withdraw from other Spanish speakers and try to live. You know, it, we, we had a big enough community there that we could kind of live in a, a, the English bubble and, and they would not stretch themselves to, to learn and speak Spanish as well. And so we notice this uh, over, over and over that uh, the rewiring of our brains, it, it requires that we put ourselves in the circumstances where we can do it, right? Like the, that's really what speaking Spanish is, like, or speaking a second language. You have to rewire your brain to think in a different, with different vocabulary, and, and so that, that process of rewiring your brain, it requires putting yourself in the circumstances where that can happen. And we discovered just moving to a different country where a different language was spoken wasn't sufficient. Even in that context, you, you have to go looking for the opportunity to, to build the right circumstances in your life for your brain to be, to be rewired. 
And, and so you have to kind of set the conditions correctly. There's one other little phenomenon that I noticed when we were speaking Spanish, when we were learning to speak Spanish. Uh, and that was, uh, and I, I talked about this with a handful of other people who were also learning to speak Spanish at the same time. When you were immersing yourself in that environment where your brain was being rewired and you were, you were learning more Spanish all the time and every day your, your skill was developing, occasionally you would hear yourself say a word in Spanish that you had never studied, that you didn't know for sure if you had used it right, and you would pause and you would say, hmm, I wonder if I use that right. And I would ask my wife, and, and did I say that word correctly? Is that the right word? And she'd say, no, you idiot, that's not right. Um, <laughs> But occasionally, occasionally, it would actually happen where you would use a word that you maybe had never studied, never, never really, but because you were immersed in the environment, because you were hearing it all the time, you could, you could pick up a, a word or a phrase or, or an idea that you hadn't really studied and it had just sort of become a part of you, and you would, you would use it and you would say, wow, where'd that come from? That's cool. That's exciting. And... And then you'd go back home and look it up and make sure that you used it right. Well, since Easter, uh, we have been going through Matthew chapter 13, uh, looking at Jesus' teaching, specifically as Jesus is addressing the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is this foundational teaching that Jesus has throughout his ministry. In the book of Matthew, he begins his public ministry by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Those words come right before Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus lays out this backwards reality that he has brought with him, his kingdom that is coming to earth. And then he says, uh, we are to pray in the, king, in the Sermon on the Mount. He teaches us to pray that that the kingdom would come. So he says before it, repent for the kingdom has come. And then he says, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's this, this reality that Jesus was, was bringing with him that wasn't fully present, but was present, this kingdom of heaven that Jesus came to, to establish on earth. And we, even today, 2,000 years after Jesus's ministry, are supposed to pray, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In, in Matthew chapter 13, then, Jesus, we, Matthew, Matthew doesn't indicate that this is just one sitting of Jesus's teaching. In, in fact, it's pretty clear that Matthew is picking up on themes that Jesus repeated throughout his ministry. And Matthew has sort of edited and put them together in a way that makes sense to Matthew. And that's going to matter as we continue on today. Matthew has put together chapter 13 in a way to communicate a very specific message, I believe. He begins with this, this story that Jesus told, probably more than once, of the sower, the seed scatterer. Uh, the, the story of seed going, being, being broadcast out onto different types of soil. And a few weeks ago, Brooke Thomas did an incredible job of talking about how the seed is good seed. It, the, the fate of the seed depends on the quality of soil in which it lands. And, and Brooke did an incredible job of challenging us to prepare the ground, the soil of our hearts, prepare ourselves to be receptive to the seed that would be planted in us of the kingdom of heaven. And, and that if we would receive well the seed, the, the promise from Jesus is a harvest 
that, that will knock your socks off. An incredible harvest that, that you would never anticipate. Then uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And that parable is about God's patience with the crop growing. Uh, God's got a long game in mind. God is, is long-term willing to let his kingdom take root, even when it appears as though the kingdom of an enemy has, has overtaken it. Even though it seems like the kingdom of heaven doesn't have the strength of all of the other influences in this world, God is willing to, to just patiently wait, to patiently wait until the time is right for harvest. It, it's a parable about things looking bad, but a God who has not abandoned his kingdom even when things look bad. Then last week, Pastor Becca and I talked about the imagery of growth from the parable of the mustard seed. The, the kingdom of heaven, it's not meant to be stagnant. And depending on the type of soil that it lands in from, from that parable of the soil, soil, soil par, the seed scattering parable, depending on the type of soil it lands on, it could just, nothing could happen. The birds could come and get it. It could spring up and, and get withered away, get choked out by, by, by thorns. But what Jesus gives us an example of in the parable of the mustard seed is when a seed lands in good soil, this seed that wouldn't even be a sufficient snack for a bird, it can grow into something so great that the birds of the air come and find refuge in the limbs of the mustard plant. And so there's this incredible, this incredible imagery of growth that can happen with the, the, the seed of the kingdom taking root in good soil. This week, I'm looking at another kingdom parable that probably reveals the tendency of the kingdom to grow. It probably is talking about growth again, but I think there is more than just growth that, that Jesus is trying to get across with the parable of the yeast uh, in the lump of dough. And so we go to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read for you Matthew 13, 33 through 35. And... Here it is, Matthew 13, 33 through 35. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. So there's a lot that could be said about this parable. First, I just want to note, it's a little strange that Jesus uses uh, yeast as an image of the kingdom of, of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is, is something that is always positive, right? Yeast is probably more frequently negative in the Bible than it is positive. Yeast is often an image of sin, a, a, a metaphor for sin in, in the Bible. And so it's kind of strange that Jesus would use the imagery of yeast to talk about the kingdom of heaven. For example, a way that, 
that yeast is seen as, or is a negative metaphor in scripture. During the Passover, the Jews, before they celebrated the Passover, they were supposed to rid their house of all leavening. So yeast and, and like baking powder and baking soda and anything else that could be used for leavening. I better not try to name anything else because I'm out of, out of baking knowledge. They're supposed to remove all of the leavening from their house, though, as, as a symbolic act of, of removing sin from their lives. And so this, this yeast image, it's like removing sin. And then here in the, the parable, the parable talks about the yeast being like the kingdom. Kind of interesting. And then in Matthew chapter 16, just here in a few chapters, Jesus is going to talk about the yeast of the Pharisees. He says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples uh, don't really get it. They think that he's talking about like actual bread because there's a lot of bread stuff happening in Matthew 16. Jesus is talking about the religious pride of, of the Pharisees. And, and yeast has this, this like puffing up pride imagery associated with it uh, frequently in scripture. So yeast is just an interesting metaphor. It, it's an interesting metaphor because it grows slowly, uh, but undeniably, right? The idea of growth in this parable probably comes or, or is most evident in the idea that the, the baker uses three measures of flour. Three measures, a measure of flour would be like a little bit more than a gallon of flour, it's like a, so three, you can think of three gallons of flour. That is a huge batch of bread, right? And Jesus specifically says, just a little bit of yeast, just a little bit of yeast, and this enormous batch of bread dough is leavened by just a little bit of yeast. It works through, and it doesn't miss any part of it. There is no part of the dough that, that doesn't rise because he just, the baker just started with a little bit of, of yeast, and, and so, uh, just a little bit, three measures. I, one commentary I read, I don't know how people do this kind of math. It's kind of silly to me that people would like say this kind of thing, but uh, enough bread, three measures of flour, enough bread for 150 people. That's like a lot of bread, right? But I don't know if that's like one cracker, like communion bread, you know, like that, sh- it sh- that shouldn't impress you, 150 people. But, you know, like, I don't know why people say that kind of stuff. Anyway, <laughs> I wish they would say like a dinner roll, you know, like that. I could get that anyway. <sighs> so Jesus highlights that it just takes a little bit of yeast, huge batch of, of bread dough. It's all leavened. It gets through it all. And, and this parable um, really walks in step with the, the parable of the mustard seed in this way. You know, it's, it's this little bit, tiny seed, uh, huge growth. Tiny bit of, of yeast, huge growth. Um, and and these, these parables talk about this growth, but I think there's something more about the, the parables that, that comes out a little more clearly uh, in, in this explanation that Matthew gives after the parable of the yeast um, about Jesus' teaching in, in parables. See, there, there are two connecting factors between, between the two parables that I see, uh, between the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. First is, is the imperceptible 
but undeniable growth of both a mustard seed and yeast. Right? In order to watch the growth of a mustard seed or to watch the growth of yeast in dough, you need time-lapse photography, right? Like, you can't, you can't just stand and, and watch bread dough rise. And it happens, it happens, but you can't just stand there and, and wait for it. So it's like a watched pot that never boils. It, I don't know. It's, bread dough just, it's so slow, right? It's so slow, but it's undeniable. So you put, you put the bread on top of the fridge because you're impatient and you want it to rise a little quicker. You put it on top of the fridge and you go away for an hour and you come back. It has undeniably changed. There is, there is obvious, observable growth that has happened. The same is true about a plant, right? Like, you can't just stand out. You can't, you can't plant a, a seed and then just, like, stand at your garden and say, all right, let's see what happens, right? You got you to gotta give it a little time. But if you go away from, from a mustard plant for a week, it's not going to be the same plant anymore. I mean, the, this thing grows super fast and, and is going to be much larger in a week's time, undeniably, it is growing, even though you can't observe it, like minute by minute, second by second. Both a mustard seed and yeast have that tendency to just slow, steady, sure growth. And the second connecting factor that I see between the, the parable uh, of the mustard seed and the yeast, and it kind of connects with, with the parable of the sower, is, is the idea that Yeast and seeds require the right conditions in order to grow. Um, seeds need moisture and the right temperature. Yeast needs moisture and the right temperature. Now, Alyssa and I make a couple of recipes that use yeast. Um, killer non-bread recipe. So good. I'll share it with you sometime. It uses yeast. I'm a total fraud when it comes to baking anything, really, um, and so I'm going to mess this up, but I, when, when we make anything that has yeast in it, we do it like pretty seldomly and, and you know, we buy the value-sized yeast container. And so we're always a little concerned that it's not still alive or doing whatever yeast is supposed to be doing. So recipes will tell you proof the yeast ahead of time. So you, uh, proofing the yeast means like you put it in a little bit of water and you give it something to eat, like some sugar, and uh, you stir it up, and if, it's, and if the yeast is working and your water is the right temperature, it'll, it'll start to smell yeasty, and it'll, it'll ferment, and it'll be right, and, and then you know you can use it. And so this is, this is the process of pr proofing, proofing yeast. I see I'm teaching some people, and I'm embarrassing others. <laughs> um, so... You can mock me on the comments of the live stream on Facebook if you need to. I'm, I... The thing is that yeast, if, it, if it's in something that's too cold, nothing will happen. It will just remain inert. It'll be these little granules that, just little granules. If, if you put it in water that's too hot, you kill it. That's what baking does, is it kills the yeast and it stops its growth. And so you can't, you can't proof yeast in water that's too hot or too cold. You have to, it's got to be just right, just right. 
And, and so the, this process, uh, it, it, it needs this certain range. The, the kingdom of heaven, I think, is, is like a yeast worked into a dough. Um, it has incredible potential for growth. But the growth of the kingdom, it's barely discernible. It's barely discernible as it's happening. It's slow, it's gradual. And the thing about the growth of the kingdom of heaven is it requires the right circumstances. If the water's too hot, yeast doesn't do anything. If the water's too cold, the yeast doesn't do anything. It, it requires the right, the right conditions. Yeast in the kingdom of heaven need to be given the right conditions, but under the right conditions, under the right conditions, the growth will be undeniable and amazing. So after these parables that, that Matthew tells, Jesus, um, Matthew tells us that Jesus is always speaking in parables. It's not just his habit. He, he says, Matthew tells us, every time that Jesus spoke to the crowds, he used parables. Every time he spoke to the crowds, he used parables. Um, and then in verse 35, Matthew reminds us that this is according to God's plan. Um, we, he, he talks about a prophecy. It's actually from Psalm 78 that the, the psalmist talking from the position of a teacher who's teaching God's people about their history. And, and he says, um, I will speak in parables, revealing things uh, um, that have been hidden since creation of the world. Um, Jesus is living into to this psalm. And, and so as, as Matthew is pointing to the way that Jesus has fulfilled prophecy, he's talking about his use of parables, our, our minds should be drawn back to earlier in Matthew chapter 13. If you're looking at your Bible earlier in, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking about his use of parables. Jesus is, is explicitly... Uh, Making, making comment on, teaching about his use of parables and, and how he is constantly using parables. In, in verse 10 uh, of, um, the, of Matthew 13, the disciples ask, why, why do you use parables? And then in, in verse 12, Jesus, in his answer, he says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have not or sorry, they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, what, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And then he quotes from the prophet Isaiah uh, for, for a handful of verses. And then moving down to verse 16, Jesus says, but blessed are your eyes because they see. Blessed are your ears because they hear. So this talk about hearing parables and not understanding them. In the flow of Jesus talking about the sower, the farmer, casting out seed on different types of soil, it's about the condition in which the seed lands. Um, Jesus moves on and, and he talks about the kingdom of heaven as a seed, a mustard seed. And he says nothing about the conditions in, in which the seed lands. He just says it's a mustard seed, and he talks about how it grows incredibly. 
And then Jesus talks about the, the kingdom of heaven is, is yeast, and he says nothing about the condition in which the yeast finds itself. It doesn't talk at all about the temperature of the dough, or that this woman, she's a great baker, and so she knows how to make yeast work. Uh, it, yeast, it's, it just grows, and it infects the whole huge batch of, of bread dough that the baker is making. And then Matthew highlights again at the, at the end of this little piece of teaching in, in verses 34 and 35, the parables are, Jesus is always speaking in parables to the crowd. This message that is hidden from the beginning of creation. Hearkening back, I think Jesus, or Matthew is trying to get us to remember what Jesus has already said about hearing and understanding, about seeing and perceiving. Putting all this together, I, I think it means that the message of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom has incredible power for those who will actually receive it. But we must receive it with the right conditions met. We must have eyes to see and ears to hear. And according to, to Jesus in Matthew 13, 12, opening our ears and allowing our eyes to see, it's our choice. It's a choice we make. We decide whether we are willing to hear the message of the kingdom. We decide whether we are willing to see the message of the kingdom. And, and so if we will listen and hear, if we will understand, and I would add listening and hearing and understanding over, over a period of time, because it's not instantaneous, but if we will hear and understand the message of the kingdom of God, the message, the seed, the yeast, it will have an incredible impact on our lives. It will change us and make us people we, we don't expect. So you may not feel like God is doing much in your life right now. You, you may feel like you're just kind of going day in and day out, and, and you know, I'm a believer, I go to church sometimes, and, and that, that is a part of me, but it, maybe you don't feel like the kingdom is really growing in, in your heart. But if you are listening to hear and looking to, to really see and to know, I believe what Jesus is trying to tell us is the kingdom is at work. The kingdom is at work. If, if we are creating the right conditions for the kingdom to grow in our lives, the kingdom will grow. It's good seed. It's good yeast. You don't need to worry that it's been, been killed because you've had it in your refrigerator for too long. And I think we create the right conditions uh, when, when we allow, when we allow the, the kingdom into every part of our lives. And when we, when we set the right, the right conditions, it's, it's not too different from learning a new language. We, we create the, the right conditions by intentionally putting ourselves in the way of God's speaking by intentionally praying. We're a church that we're intentionally following Jesus as one of our, our core tenets. 
by getting into Scripture. We, we set the right conditions for, for the growth of the kingdom of heaven in us when, when we spend time with other believers. As a church, we call it graciously doing life together, life groups, and, and getting together to, to encourage one another. We create the right conditions by worshiping God, by worshiping in corporate settings like this, by worshiping, by, um, and by serving. You know, we're a church that's joyfully serving. When, when we create the right conditions in our lives for the Spirit to work, we will go through periods of slow but certain growth. That slow but certain growth is, is a pattern in the lives of the true saints of the church. Men and women who have, over the long haul, created the right conditions. When, when they felt like God was speaking to them every minute of every day and when they couldn't hear God's voice, they created the right conditions in their lives to allow the Spirit of God to move. Now, one more dough thing. Our family loves, we love Rhodes Rolls. And, uh, Rhodes Rolls are these like little frozen balls of dough. You, I'm getting some nods of understanding. Rhodes Rolls are found in your, the freezer section of your favorite supermarket. Uh, they are delicious, yeasty little rolls. Um, again, the real bakers in the room are, are covering their eyes in shame as I talk about Rhodes Rolls. They're so good. They make... They make all kinds of things. You can get Rhodes cinnamon rolls. Everything they make is delicious. Um, so Rhodes rolls come frozen because the yeast in them will not activate until they come up to the, to the right temperature, right? And, and so once a Rhodes roll, once you've taken it out of the freezer and you've started the defrosting process, it starts to, to grow slowly, sort of imperceptibly, usually too slow, uh, usually we're like, it's time to put the, ov- the rolls in the oven and they're still frozen lumps in the, in the pan. But, uh, so these, these little, these little, uh, Rhodes rolls, they, they're frozen to keep the, the yeast from, from doing anything. We live in a world that is, is like the freezer for the yeast of the kingdom of heaven to be at work in our lives. We live in a world that will undoubtedly slow the work of the kingdom of heaven in our lives if we are not attentive to all of the ways that, that the world would keep the yeast of the kingdom from expanding. We, we are just constantly given distractions in this world, ways, temptations to pass the time, to pass the time, keeping up on the latest trend on TV or social media. Those, those things can, can make the, the yeast of the kingdom go dormant. The frenzy of, of keeping up with every communication, every email, learning about the latest gadgets and toys that are out there, finding out the next recipe, looking for the next adventure, they can keep the work of the kingdom of heaven from its slow but certain growth in us. And the ability that we have in our world to base our worth on our latest purchase, the the ability we have to, to base our worth on somebody else's latest purchase that we haven't quite got yet, 
Those things rob the power of the kingdom of heaven from its slow and undeniable ability to shape us. The power our world has over us is to deactivate the slow but certain work of the kingdom in us. And the truth is that we are, n- we are never dormant or inert or inactive as, as humans. And so if the yeast of the kingdom of heaven isn't active and working in us, some other yeast is. And, and if we aren't careful, the yeast of this world will have more impact in shaping us than the yeast of the kingdom of heaven. And so what's the solution? (laughs) Uh, Delete all your social media? Uh, Or uh, stop responding to messages? Get a flip phone? Go without internet access? Um, Take your TV out into a a field and shoot it? Um, Deciding that you aren't going to buy clothes or gadgets or toys without reflecting on your motivation first. Pausing to pray in the store before every purchase. Um, maybe, maybe there are reasonable ways of dealing with this, though. You know, I, I, I think that it would be a good experiment, a challenge for many of us, uh, a fast day from social media. Weekly. Uh, monitoring the amount of time that we allow TV to be on in our home. Considering what we are listening to when we're driving from point A to point B. The background world of our, or background noise of our world can shape us more than the kingdom of heaven can shape us if we give the right conditions to the background noise and not the right conditions to the kingdom of heaven. Don't, don't become a frozen lump of dough. <laughs> don't, don't let the worries of this world choke out the seed that has sprung up in your life. Continue to develop the habits that will create the conditions of, of surprising growth within you. Ultimately, Jesus wants his disciples, as he's teaching about these these parables of uh, the kingdom, I think he wants his disciples to understand this this slow and certain change that can happen in our lives. That is the work of the kingdom. The kingdom is at work in the lives of people who will say, Jesus is my king, I'm going to follow him. This is is the, the work that we do of creating the right conditions for the growth of the kingdom. That is our work in in good times and in bad. That is our work when when we feel like it and when we don't feel like it. We we are called to press into our relationship with God, to create the conditions in our lives that he can, can do the work of of making us into people we never expected. And so today, I'm, I'm just going to give us a little time in prayer as, uh, as we end to, to take stock. To take stock of your life and, and ask the Lord, 
are there conditions in my life that I'm creating that are allowing the kingdom of heaven to activate? Am I creating the right conditions in my life through the ways that I am passing time, through the ways that, that I am, the things that I am listening to and allowing to, to enter into my mind? Am I creating the right conditions in my life for the kingdom of heaven to begin to activate? Or is other yeast working in and other yeast is, is being active and maybe shaping me into a person I don't intend to become? What are the ways that you, you are ensuring Jesus' kingdom is growing in you? I believe if we, if we commit to creating the right conditions, there, it is not long coming until you hear wisdom come out of your mouth that you didn't know existed in, in your heart. I believe if you let the, the work of the kingdom, if you create the conditions that the kingdom of heaven can take root in you, it, it won't be long and, and you will surprise yourself with the thoughts in your mind. You, you'll begin to realize that, that the Lord is at work in ways you never anticipated or understood. So I just open us in prayer and give you a moment to reflect and to ask the Lord, what are the conditions that, that you could create to let his kingdom grow? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to, to be in your presence. Lord, thank you for these men and women who have come today, taken time, because they believe that it is worthwhile to be in your presence. It creates the, the conditions in our lives in which your kingdom can grow. And so, God, we, we thank you. We thank you that you are doing, even by just setting aside this hour and a half, two hours on a Sunday morning, you could continue your work, the kingdom work that you are doing in our hearts. But Lord, we recognize that this hour or two on a Sunday morning, it's not enough. It's not enough. And so God, very vulnerably, and, and asking you, God, to be merciful, Lord, we, we lay before you the influences in our lives, the things that are shaping us, the voices we are allowing in. And we ask you, God, to open our eyes to see how we could create the right conditions in our lives for you to do your kingdom work in our hearts.
We thank you, God, for your voice that speaks and for the, the good word that you are speaking to us now. May we go into this week inspired to create the right conditions. May we hear from you over and over again the ways that you can direct us, the ways that you will continue to shape us to be more like Jesus. And we thank you, God, for all that you can do in us, ways that you can work that we would never anticipate, never expect, but Lord, we, we with certainty look forward to knowing that you are going to be at work in us to make us more like our Savior. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We stand and just remember those words that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. May it be real in your life. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Go and be present with his kingdom this week. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us for the First Mass Podcast. We hope to see you soon in person at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston.